He's one of my favourite people to yarn to on the country. His name is Michael Every. He's Rabobank's Singapore-based global strategist. Today we find him in Thailand. And Michael, here's an opener for you. Uh, the world was destined uh, seemingly to head into recession in 2023. That was last year. Is that story so 2022 now? Is the world going to dodge a bullet? Well, there's been a big market meme since the start of 2023 that because things are so awful in 2022, 2023 would be the opposite. It didn't really go any deeper than that. There wasn't much more intelligent analysis behind it than that, but it was a nice meme. Now, when you take a step back and look at that claim, will we avoid a recession? There is certainly a mounting pile of evidence that in some key economies, and I'm talking about Europe in particular, because energy prices have really come back down because they had a very warm winter, and in America, where we've got very mixed data in particular, yes, it's possible, if not yet definite, that a near-term recession might be dodged. That being said, there are lots of countries which do look like they're still heading for recession. The UK is absolutely one of them. And to be blunt, the jury is still out on places like Australia and New Zealand. We're very dependent, both Australia and New Zealand, on China. Uh, We spoke to our guy in Shanghai yesterday and he said, look, they're open for business, there's no longer restrictions, but he said that zero COVID policy had done plenty of damage to consumer confidence. Is that what you're seeing, hearing? Well, yes, but not only that. You have to remember that zero COVID was not accompanied by any nice checks from the government to stay at home, such as what we had in New Zealand and in the West. So, you know, if you had a hard time of it economically, you had a hard time of it economically. And it also has coincided with a really, really aggressive crackdown on the technology sector, which had been booming, and on the housing sector, which had been booming the same as it has been in New Zealand up until recently. So consumers are absolutely feeling bruised. So are small businesses. You have a lot of the similar problems that you have in China to elsewhere, which are where can you get staff? That's still happening there too. And of course, you have that very worrying geopolitical backdrop in terms of what's happening uh, between the US and China in particular, and then a few other related fronts, all of which combine to really pretty much depress output. So people who said, well, China's going to reopen, therefore they'll have a V-shaped recovery similar to what we saw in New Zealand and Australia and elsewhere. Again, that was an optimistic meme not based on doing too much digging. Even the increase in household savings in the bank, which you've got, is likely a response that people are moving their money away from the property market and just putting it in the bank waiting to see what happens next, rather than saying, right, now let's go on a spending spree. And in fact, you're not seeing any sign whatsoever that the Chinese people are about to go on a spending spree, and I don't expect to see one. Michael, I want to veer off the narrative for a moment. You mentioned the labour issues right around the world. Here's a question for you. With a population of 7 or 8 billion or whatever we've got at the moment, where are all the people who used to do the work? Where have they gone to? Well, that's a great question. We could talk for a long, long time about that. And I can tell you, if you get a couple of different economists in the room, none of whom spend any time actually looking at the real physical labour market, but just look at screens and theories, They've got lots of different explanations of it. I think, and again, this is me sitting behind a screen, although I do travel and talk to people a lot, it's a combination of a number of things very quickly. First of all, COVID did, very sadly, as we know, remove people from the labor force. I'm talking about both illness and death. So that absolutely happened. 
then you did have a consumer boom because everyone couldn't go out and spend on services. So they were spending more and more on goods. And we are now pivoting back to services. So first of all, we had too much demand for people in some areas during the goods sector. And now we have too much demand for people in the services sector. And lastly, we have got very high inflation right the way around the world, except in China, pretty much. Um, And against that backdrop, lots of people who for the longest time were earning, frankly, not very good salaries, doing, frankly, not very nice work, reassessed their life options, either because they got a government check for a period of time and they thought, I can live better than I did, or because they've used it as a breakwater to turn in a new direction and say, I've reinvented myself, I'm doing something else. And you find in the overheated services sector, right the way around the world, people cannot get staff the same way that they cannot get skilled manufacturing staff as we try and now change supply chains to make sure that we're not as vulnerable as we were during COVID. So all the structural problems we've had for a long time all come home to roost and you've got less workers to actually deal with in general because of the legacy of COVID. And so that, I think, is a big global issue and it also means inflation is likely to be structurally higher than lots of experts with my theories have been telling us. Well, back to the narrative then. You mentioned inflation. Is the world over the worst of the inflation hump? Well, again, views are very, very split on this. Um, We're past the highest point in terms of what year-on-year inflation is likely to be in the major economies. We can agree on that. The big debate now is, was this all a one-off, just like COVID? Does inflation go back to 2% again, which means interest rates and your mortgage rate can go back down again? Or do we face a new structural normal because of the labour market issues I'm describing, because supply chains are shifting to make sure we're not so vulnerable again, which I'm describing, because the geopolitical backdrop, which I've touched on before, and I'm sure we'll go on to talk about more in a moment. If we are, inflation is not going to quickly and easily come back down to 2%. It could get stuck at a much higher level. And if it does, well, that's going to have implications for interest rates. Let's have a look at that geopolitical backdrop, as you described it. A Russian-Ukraine war, no end in sight. What are you seeing? Well, I didn't think there was an end in sight. Again, this was purely part of the 2023 will not be 2022 meme that was going around in January just because it was good for people who manage money and they had a really bad year in 2022 and they wanted to put out feelers for the world to say, look, it's going to be the opposite thing in 2023. And I, I laughed when they said it in a cynical way. And I stand by that because if you look at the headlines that we've had geopolitically just in the past few days, they're deeply, deeply worrying in various different hotspots around the world. But uh, I can just read a few out to you that are in front of my screen right here this morning. EU top diplomat says China will cross a red line if it sends arms to Russia. China no longer viable as the world's factory, so the Japanese manufacturer Kyocera. Turkey denies exporting electronic technology used by Russian military. In China, worries about a weakened Russia prompt a rethink, but that rethink may be towards offering a, uh, is being floated, is offering towards offering a peace policy, which basically is China saying, let's make peace now, otherwise we'll arm Russia. And South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham saying, if you jump on the Putin train, you're dumber than dirt. It would be like buying a ticket on the Titanic after you saw the movie. So there's a lot of tension out there, even before we start looking at balloons being shot out of the sky, et cetera, et cetera, and people pointing fingers at each other. And much as it would be lovely to turn around and say, well, war is stupid, and it is, and it's going to end soon, all the signs point to a long, grinding conflict. And one other point I have to end on very quickly is for the West, 
Not New Zealand, of course, you're a long way from the fighting. But for the West, this war so far has all been fought with sanctions, which hurt a little bit economically of everybody, but aren't really what you would call bloody, and U.S. inventories. In other words, U.S. military stuff they had in the cupboard. That's what the war's been fought with. We're running out of that, and sanctions are running out of effect, which means that the next stage of the war, if we get it, and it looks like we're warming up for it, is going to involve production. You have to make more weaponry than the other side. That's how wars traditionally have been fought through history, and that's really inflationary. Yes, and we've had tropical cyclone Gabrielle doing her darndest here in this country as well, which is also very inflationary. Michael Avery, based in Singapore, but out of Thailand today. Always great to catch up on the country. Thank you. Look forward to speaking to you next time.